Hello, this is a special bonus episode of Total SF with drag performer and small business owner Darcy Drollinger. Darcy has a telethon coming up Saturday to save the Oasis nightclub, so Heather Knight and I recorded this special episode on location and socially distanced at the Oasis. You still get another new Total SF this week, new episodes every Friday. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome back to Total SF, Heather Knight, and we're doing something that we almost never, I don't think we've ever done. Have we ever had the guest in the intro? No, but we've also never recorded on the roof of a of a drag bar, so. Yeah, so we're doing new things today. Darcy Drollinger, welcome to <laughs> Total SF. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, so this is the intro. It's going to be relatively short. We're going to okay. talk about what we're talking about <laughs> and set the scene. We're on the roof of a drag bar. I walked through this drag bar, and there were like seven, eight different things going on. I saw a set for a sitcom. Um lot going on here these days. You know, it, uh, it really is like a clubhouse right now, and there is so much going on. We have a little sound stage downstairs, and and uh, it is uh, it, it is an it is an everything space right now. And you know, by the way, this is the largest drag owned drag bar in the United States. It Whoa. might be the only one. So many firsts today. I know. So we're learning a lot, but we're here for a telethon. A telethon coming up on Saturday. Could you give us the name, give us the time, give us the basic details? Saturday, March 6th, 6th from 12 p.m. to 12 a.m., 12 hours straight live streaming. You can watch it on um, the SF Oasis uh, streaming platform, which is Oasis TV. You can go to our website, sfoasis.com, or go to watch.sfoasis.com to watch it. You can also watch it on our um, giving platform, which is givebutter.com forward slash save Oasis. So my plan is I'm going to be doing some stuff around the house. Um, I'm going to be coming in and out. When is an hour that I've just got to be there? Can you tell me that right now? Well, it's going to be tricky. So it's going to it's going to start with a bang. You know, if you start at the beginning, you're going to see my number, my first number anyway. But um, I would say, what what are you looking for? <laughs> because here's the thing: every hour you're going to get some live performances, some digital performances. Now it's going to probably get. Um, we've had some submissions from. Um, queens from around the country some get a little racy so up i think after eight it'll get a little dirtier so if you want the, after the if kids you, are <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it will you'll, you'll get us you'll get us nice and fresh and um, spry at the beginning but we won't have won't be getting close right so <laughs> you kind of want to get to the end you're going to see the the excitement as we get closer and closer to the dollar amount we will be talking more about the telethon, um, get some more details on that. We're going to talk just a little bit about the business and, and uh, being a business in San Francisco. And uh, we are going to talk about uh, sexitude. I, this was fun for me. We already talked about this. People know that we record the podcast before the intro, and that's a fun part. Stick around for that. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight and Darcy Drollinger. This is Total SF. Thank you very much. 
I'm super excited. Peter and I are here with Darcy Drollinger on the rooftop of Oasis. And it's a gorgeous day. So gorgeous. <laughs> it's so fun to see you. Likewise. But unfortunately, we're talking about a somewhat sad subject. Things are in dire financial straits for Oasis. So lay out this problem. What is going on? I mean, it's a problem that is not only affecting us, but so many other venues around the city and around the country. But for us specifically, we're an event-driven institution, right? So people come here for shows, for parties, for charity events, things like that. And so to be closed um, and to be our size is uh, a huge financial burden. Mm -hmm. Um, And our landlord's been amazing. And all of last year, he forgave half our rent. So he's, I mean, he's, I really think of him as a partner, but obviously that can't go on forever. Um, And so uh, rent coupled with um, bills, it is... uh, really been hard to go through Mm -hmm. the entire year and now we're looking at possibly another six eight months 12 months you know it feels a little bit like the wild west where you don't know what's happening Mm -hmm. you know I just kept pivoting right and doing our meals on heels program and doing the roof the roof um, and parklet and starting our streaming platform both in trying to raise money for the club but also in trying to keep oasis alive in people's hearts you know to entertain and i really feel like i've um thought about this a lot but my place and oasis's place in our community and in san francisco at large is as entertainers and this is exactly when we really need to show up this is when it counts when things are really hard and so it starts to become the top priority to be there for people Mm -hmm. right and to almost like a giant uso show entertaining (laughs) the troops (laughs) But, uh, you know, smiling and putting the wigs on and dancing as fast as you can when you're knowing that everything is slowly falling apart and there's no aid coming, right? And there's, you know, the Save Our Stages grant is coming. They keep saying that's going to happen, but it's been months and there still is no date on when we can even apply, let alone receive the money. And you can't apply for a second round of PPP money and still get the save our stages. Oh, really? Huh. So we're sitting here in this limbo of like not being able to do that in hopes to get the other one. But but while that's happening, you know, it's costing it costs almost a thousand dollars a day to to have this place closed. There was a lot of hoopla in this neighborhood because a lot of millions of dollars were spent on new garbage cans, and while businesses are drowning in debt, and. You know, obviously that had already started before the pandemic. And, I, I, you know, I'm glad they're here. I make the streets cleaner. But there's a moment where you're like, OK, we're going to have clean streets, but no businesses. And where are we? We need to reallocate funds. Otherwise, this city is going to be a wasteland mm-hmm. and there's going to be nothing. Right. There's there when, when this reopens, when San Francisco reopens, all of the small venues, the entertainment venues that can't really be open right now, they're going to be gone. And it's not going to be a city that entices people to want to come here with no live music, with no live shows. It is a little bit uh, overwhelming when you think about that. And, and, you know, all these venues, we're all going to be the last tier to open. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you're, you're taking a very cinematic approach. Um, I think <laughs> every other movie that I went to when I was in my teens, I'm thinking like Break Into Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> one one day, of my favorites. One of my favorites. <laughs> one day you're going to raise $100,000, save the Oasis. Um, it's like t- the montage scene. Yeah, yeah. It so is. And it's also a little bit like um, Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney. Let's put on a show in the barn. <laughs> Old school telethon, you're going to have drag queens answering phones. How did this idea come up? You know, it, it, I guess I grew up on television. I'm a, I'm a TV baby. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a classic, a, cla- we, a classic way that, that money was raised in, in the 70s and even earlier. I think it might have started in the, in the 60s. Um, I, but I just got obsessed with the idea of drag queens on a phone bank, like cutting, <laughs> cutting to the phone bank and them all. Because there, there was also those PBS, you know, drives where they'd always cut to the phone banks. And, you know, the people running down with the slip of paper. We just raised this much money, you know, and the little barometer going up. And Are you going to have a barometer? We're going to have a barometer. <laughs> I, I grew up on those, like, KQED. I remember Shirley Temple Black would be oh, yeah, on the phone absolutely. bank. Absolutely. Like, so you'd call and think, am I going to get Shirley Temple? And you never did. I'm trying to see if I can get Hecklina to answer phones. <laughs> um, I might even take a stint on the phones. Who knows? I, uh, but I just, I love it. And, you know, what we're doing is I mean, we'll probably have to have people on cell phones, but we bought real, those old school receiver plugins <laughs> that plug into a cell phone. So at least it can look semi-authentic. So which drag queens will be answering phones? Well, we actually have a whole bunch of them. Um, and I don't have the full list in front of okay. me right now. I mean, I can name some names, but you know, like Elsa Touche and uh, the one and only Rexy and Kipper Snacks and um, hopefully Hecklina and me. And but we have a, a whole um, we have a whole uh, list. So they're going to they're switch out every couple hours. It's a twelve hour experience. Which so. character are you going to be on Saturday? Oh my God, I'm going to be I'm going to host the whole thing. So I'm going to be the the. Well, I'd say Jerry Lewis, but it's more like Sherry Lewis, but then I need a lamb chop. (laughs) (laughs) So it's the Sherry Lewis and lamb chop telephone. Um, But I am going to, you know, I'll I'll open with a big number, too. I'm thinking of a a telephone medley, you know, call me by Blondie, (laughs) telephone by Lady Gaga. Um, But it's going to be, you know, again, we, we, we desperately need this money, but instead of only asking for it, which... I am okay doing. We wanted to do something that was fun and entertaining uh, uh, around it, and it also gives, I think, people uh, people a chance to kind of be here for Oasis and and kind of claim it as their own in a sense. And people have been showing up from all around the country. You know, um, I, I got a, a little video from Mario Cantone today, and. Um, Alaska sent me one the other day from Drag Race, and Trixie Mattel sending one, and London Breed sent in one, and I feel like... Um, what did the mayor say? Well, the, the mayor just talked about how important this is for the community and for San Francisco, and, um, you know, talked about her own experiences of being here to watch a show, and even dancing. She, <laughs> she's been here I see that dancing on the night away. I know, I want to be dancing with <laughs> London Breed on the, on the middle of the dance floor. So you touched earlier on how you've tried so many things over the past year to try to make money Meals on Heels. I'm a big fan. I've witnessed this in Glen Park. Meals uh, on Heels <laughs> has been a blast. And it 
I mean, it really got press all over. We were in the New York Times, mm-hmm. you know, CNN covered that. It was a, it was a big, um, it was it was great. And I think because it was so, um, there was such a, a visceral feeling in those early days where it's like that need for connection and people really getting to um, have that experience. And I personally loved it because, wow. Look at that truck. Loud truck. Is that a truck or is that Muni? What's the Muni line going by here? Is there one? or There is. It's the nine line. The nine. Because I've heard a couple nines so far. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No. <laughs> it was great when the buses would drive by and we were performing the parklet. And, uh, you know, a bus full of people drives by and stops at the stoplight. And there's a drag queen on the street doing a lip sync. <laughs> you know. It's very and San Francisco. It is. And I also think that is the kind of weird punk rock stuff about doing the drag outside, doing yeah. Meals on Heels and that, where where people going by can see it. And it, it does, you know, I talk about this in my dance class all the time, but like, you know, living your life a little more fabulously. And when you're a little more fabulous, you inspire other people to be more fabulous or joyous. And there's that much less room in your brain for anger or fear, or, yeah. you know, and uh, it feels that same way where, where people are seeing the sparkle on the street and it lights up their eyes in a time when people are feeling so lost mm-hmm. and uncertain. So, I, I, again, if, if I, I love bringing it outside into the street, what is usually inside in a in a building with no windows, yeah. you know. Is it frustrating that you've put so much effort into Meals on Heels and the streaming service and your dance classes and the parklet and all this stuff and it's not getting you out of this deep hole? Yes. So, I mean, I it is it is frustrating and exhausting and I feel like I've just been you know working triple time and so has my staff trying to constantly you know everything you just mentioned is like starting a brand new business mm-hmm. you're running like business. five businesses right now and and not and not getting ahead and you know again like I said earlier I feel like it's the the top priority is being there for the community at this time and it is a it is a time where you have to be a little bit selfless, um, but eventually you have to face the reality when there just is no more money, mm-hmm. right? And and you and you can only you can only do what you can do. And uh, you know I can go by myself, you know, on my own, showing up to people's <laughs> houses and, and still lip lip syncing, you know, for my life. But it's uh, but. But the institution of Oasis takes a lot more than that. So, yes, it is, um, it's incredibly frustrating. And, and hopefully, if funding does come back at some point, in, you know, with the Save Our Stages, or if we don't get that, if we can get more PPP money, then it will subsidize all of those programs again, you know. But right now, you know, I've, I've had to pretty much drain my savings, too. So I, I'm, I, I can't fathom what it would be to close after a year of this amount of work um you know it is and i you know i have i have investors in the club too that i care about and i care about their investment and and i also care about the investment of all the people that are put into this place so um it feels like it can't happen but getting there is going to be a feat and a mm-hmm. heavy lift. So we've only had, we've started the campaign, you know, prepping up for the telethon 
six days ago. We've already raised $51,000, wow. which is amazing. See, people just need to know that you need help. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's it. I think people do want to help. They just need to know. Mm-hmm. And it, and it was, it felt like this heavy secret that I was holding on to for a long time of like, you know, just not wanting, wanting to get through it without having to, to admit that like how bad it was. And then it gets to the point where, where if you don't ask for help, then it's not going to exist anymore. So it feels like a weight off my shoulders a little bit. Um, does feel like airing your dirty laundry a little bit too, but you know, it's, it what it's what needs to happen. How would you describe the state of the LGBTQ nightlife in San Francisco? Because I know it was already a little rocky oh um, before the pandemic. Yes. And now, obviously, I everything's closed. I mean, it's, it is, it's tragic what, you know, I often refer to as the gayest city in the world. Um, losing so many. I mean, before before the pandemic, just in the last few years, losing... Estenoche and Marlena's and then you know right before this the pandemic hit or right as the pandemic was hitting losing the stud and uh, we just lost Virgil's sea room that's right next to El Rio up in Bernal and it's it's little by little there are no more spaces and I it is uh, I am I am sort of flabbergasted at what is um what is happening and how those things aren't just moving somewhere else, but are just disappearing, Mm -hmm. which is uh, not to say that they're not going to come back. Like I have, I have faith that the stud, the stud is going to find a new home because the stud became something sort of different, right? It was a, it was a bar and it became a collective. It became sort of a mindset. Mm-hmm. So I think for sure that's going to live on, but it's not going to happen immediately. And so this is more the reason why I want Oasis to be here when this is over so we can kind of be a clubhouse for everyone that needs a home in terms of the other queer and LGBTQ spaces, uh, you know, until they find a space. You know, we've got 6,000 square feet here that... You know, if we need to, we can have multiple events seven days a week. Uh, I can't wait. I know, me too. It's gonna. I hope it really is like the Roaring Twenties. Everyone says it's gonna. That's, be. that's what we've been saying. It hurts so much. I, I was driving by while they were painting over the stuff. Oh, they were God. painting the lips as I drove by, and I'm like, oh and my they God, painted that's it such beige. A beige, like just. It's like a, it's like a, it's a color they put in prisons to make yeah. sure like you don't riot, like it calms you down. That was the shade that they like were painting. If Prozac over the had a color <laughs> name. Yes. We'll be right back after this short break. So, business owner and also performer, and they're kind of blending together on Saturday. Um, who's your favorite character to play? Is there is there one? you enjoy the most or is that is that possible that is really tough i will say oh um can i say bad language on this or not yes, yeah i'm can. gonna okay. i'm gonna put a little e on it <laughs> okay good. you're you're not That'll gonna make more just check listen. you're gonna not gonna drop more bad language than jello biafra did all right or right. broke ass stewart well fuck yeah <laughs> oh um so i gotta say you know in terms of characters i, I mean I I have a I have affinity with a lot of the 
women that I play from Betty White, who I share the same birthday to. So with, she's a spirit animal of mine <laughs> for sure. Um, a challenging one though. She's the hardest one, I think, to get the laughs in the Golden Girls because her character is, is so weirdly nuanced. Um, she's often the butt of the jokes and sometimes it's hard to be the butt of the jokes. Um, I mean, I love Samantha Jones. Uh, she is such a crowd pleaser and, uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do when, with the new uh, reboot of Sex and the City. Know. She's not in it. How do you do it. that without Samantha? So here's what I'm going to do for our, our t- <laughs> for Oasis TV. I'm just going to re-air all the episodes with me superimposed <laughs> in every scene <laughs> reacting. Now watch it. It's going to happen. It's going to be, awesome. be It's going to be really fun. Um, of course, I mean, who doesn't love Suzanne Summers or Chrissy Snow in Three's Company? Uh, I will say, though, ultimately, a character that I created is my favorite character. It's Champagne Horowitz Jones Dickerson White. <laughs> She's been married a couple of times, but it's none of your fucking business. <laughs> That's my tagline. It's for my... Um, my uh, it's a, a series that I wrote. Um, the, this was called Shit and Champagne, which was the first one, which just recently got made into my first feature film. Yeah, Frameline. It was, uh, yeah, uh, and at the and I guess I can say this now because it's going to come out in a couple of days. But tomorrow we're announcing that we just got picked up by a distributor, so oh, I'm awesome. super happy. Yay. Utopia Films is going to um, do worldwide distrib- distribution, which is a a weird timing. I'm just like, oh god, like you know, I'm. <laughs> you know talking about everything falling apart and this reality and at the same time something really amazing is just about to happen well that's life right and i know i know so but champagne is i think my favorite character she's spawned two two sequels the temple of poon and disastrous (laughs) um so uh and she's it's 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 dirty and outrageous and um but you know she's a lot of fun yeah i guess she'd be my favorite um, but in terms of of the of the TV shows, you know, I guess I'm going to have to say probably Samantha Jones. Well, I and the rare moment of being a trendsetter started seeing your Christmas shows of the Golden the Girls Golden like Girls. when they first started. And my friends and I go every year. It's like what we plan our Christmas around. So I would like you, if you don't mind, to answer this question as Rose and Island. Okay. <clears throat> Will you guys be back on stage this Christmas at the Victoria Theater? Well, I don't know, Heather. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, back in St. Olaf, we would always do a Christmas show. I mean, every Christmas. I mean, that's what uh, <laughs> that's what the the hogs in the barn always wanted. You know, I mean, we did the show for them. I mean, sometimes we let people come too, but uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God! You made my day. Um, I hope we can be back on the in, on the Victoria stage. I mean, that to me that is such a rare, unique experience to to um, see people come like with their grandparents and their children, and and to you know five hundred people roaring with laughter and singing Christmas carols. It is it is a really rewarding experience for us on stage as well, and. Um, you know, it was it it really was a, a gut punch to yeah. not be able to do that this year. Well, so. I feel like if we're back there for Christmas, we will know San Francisco made it. Yeah. We will. And you know what? I'm I will say it here. If we get back, I will do the Henny Penny episode. Okay. <laughs> Yay. We have <laughs> you like on tape. <laughs> 
So um, I went with Heather to Rory Davis's Roryography class in Dolores Park. Um, yes. As I told you before we started recording, I give myself, and Heather, you can correct me, <laughs> C to C plus for the choreography, uh, solid B plus for enthusiasm. Yes, I think that's That's okay. She tells me your dance class is called Sexitude, um, and I'm just wondering, is it harder? It's harder. (laughs) Should I try it? Is is, is there some path I should take, some remedial classes to get to Sexitude? What do you think about it? You absolutely should take it. Okay. Okay. Fundamentally. Um, it's, it is not a sort of lead and follow class like Rory's class. It is, I will teach you choreography and you have to do it and you have to pretend like you are one of Britney Spears' backup dancers. It's a must. Um, and but, you're in public in Dolores Park. Yes. But here's the thing. I, um, I don't care about you being perfect. I care about you being fabulous. So if you do you, you're already winning the class, right? And I like to call it like the bad news bears dance class sometimes because it's like I get everyone. And if you can't, if you can't do it, then you sit there and you booty pop through the whole thing. <laughs> but it's with attitude. So I just did a whole. I did a class last. I did the first class yesterday of a new routine, and we talked about mistakes. I do a little bit of a. So I got my, get on my soapbox every every class, and it's like if we. If we don't let ourselves make mistakes, we can't practice bouncing back from them, right? And so this is a fabulous safe space to fuck up. And here's the thing. We all desperately want to be perfect. We want straight A's. We want to, you know, excel in everything. And the reality is that's not life. And we're going to make mistakes and we're going to fuck up. And then that's what, that's what life is, right? It's one long path and you get up, you fall down, you get up, fall down. If you master getting back up when you fall down, you win. So if we can't rehearse fucking up and fucking up fabulously, <laughs> then, then, you know, what good is it, right? So what, what I, and I, we, and I was like, I want you to mess up. I want you to not remember what you're doing and have to then own that and make me think you're the one doing it right and everyone else is doing it wrong. <laughs> I mean, so basically it's, you know, not, not beating yourself up and being able to, to own, own it and keep going. And the truth is, I like the um, I like the classes where you have to remember choreography because it forces me to shut my mind off. And it's almost like meditation because after a, an hour of not thinking you and breathing heavy, you are like that's like a lot easier than actually sitting quietly doing breath of fire for an hour. That's harder. Um, but as soon as I start thinking about anything, if I think about someone's outfit, a shopping list, what I have to do, I screw up and I'm the teacher, you know? And I, so I'm, so you should take the plunge. And here's the thing. You're not going to probably get it all the first day, but I only know like 50 moves. I just put them in different you know, categories. It's the people that I've seen who start and flail, but they just keep coming back because everyone applauds you when you mess up. Everyone's hooting and hollering for each other. But if you keep coming back, I've watched people blossom into amazing dancers. They may not be great. They may, may put their quirky personality into it, but they, it's great to see them, see them kind of blossom. And I have watched so many people 
come from my ba- my class. We do performances sometimes. Then they turned into backup dancers for drag queens. Then they became drag performers, and now they've gone on to be like stars. Yes. And where they, but they got that first initial little burst of being fabulous in the class. Have I sold you? Yeah, you know, <laughs> here's the thing that I'm realizing. One of my superpowers is obliviousness. Okay, so I'm gonna think that I'm looking good, and it seems like that that can carry me. Oh my God! Ways. That's all, that's all you have to do. Now yeah. I did with with Rory's class. I started in the back, and Heather's like, "What are you doing back here? Come up here." I'm like, "No, I'm starting back here. I want to." <laughs> and um, you got to start in the back of my class too. Yeah, because he, he said we were the goth kids. Yeah. In the back. Because there's a shadow in the back, so everybody just looks like they're all hidden in right. the So that, that would be my thing. Like, is it cool if I'm, like, in the back corner doing my thing? I would recommend it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, what I, I think it's crazy for these people that take my class for the first time. And I've made this mistake in another dance class a long time ago in New York where I'm all thinking I'm all hot shit. I'm going the front. And it was so hard. And I was so embarrassed that people behind me were better. And I was flailing in the front. So you never start a dance class you've never taken before in the front row. It says something Thank about you. your ego. Don't do it. Always I always am in the, the back. back row at Sexton. <laughs> always start in the back, and then you can then you can work your way up. But and you know, I I've also been doing some fun corporate gigs with Sexitude and realizing that you can still have as much fun even if it is sort of easy and dance along. So not that I'm doing a choreography, but I'm doing our Sexitude in a a sort of a more anyone can just step in and do it because yeah. if if i'm looking at people in their cubicles on a, um, a zoom call everyone's got to be able to do it but <laughs> right. but you know ultimately i you know i i didn't know what sexitude was going to become I, I just couldn't find a dance class that i liked here after coming from new york where i had so many teachers that i loved that i thought well i'll start my own and i just i thought you know, I'll rent a space for a couple hours once a week and invite my friends. And if no one comes, I'll just dance alone. And five people came. My friends came the first time and they just kept it kept growing and growing until I had maybe 10 people. And then someone got wind of it at NPR and NPR did a story on it. And then it just sort of blew up. Um, and then it's really just shifted and, and transformed formed into all these morphed into all these different things but it ultimately has has become uh you know i think an anchor for me yeah um and and you know something to live by i also also teach sexy face we learn how to do sexy face in class (laughs) you can um, exercise that's a little harder with masks on but you know what it's one of those things you never you never practice looking sexy face right you don't and you don't know how uh, how amazing it is when you have that in your toolkit, right? I was at a photo shoot once, and and with all these swimmers, and um, they're all in their speedos, and the, the photographer goes, "Okay, everyone, look sexy." And I literally every single person was like, <laughs> but I turned it right on, like. <laughs> right, because um, I wish we had a video. I know oh, we rehearsed sexy face, and I um, and I remember like auditioning for Rocky Horror, Ray of Light, and and you know doing doing my audition and just going full sexitude, working the stage, working my face, and it was like they had seen an alien, you know, because people aren't used to exercising that sexy face muscle. I I will uh, come and learn that, and that will be my next chronicle photo. Oh, I have yeah. a very you know the one that appears on the column. Yeah, oh, I yeah. like that. We'll get <laughs> you real. We'll get you real sexy. Wear some hot pants. <laughs> 
great. Well, you've survived all of our very serious questions. <laughs> and yeah. now, um, if you don't mind, we'll do our quick lightning round. So I fast. Love it. Yep. So I just have to answer as fast as I yes. can? Oh, shoot. All right. Where's your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Oh, um, uh, La Cumbre. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Um... God, my favorite movie films in San Francisco. Vertigo. Okay. Considering we're sitting feet from the bar, I think I know the answer to this question. But where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? (laughs) Um, The Oasis. (laughs) You can say what part of the bar because we walked by. It was like like seven different ecosystems down there. Yes, we've got three bars. (laughs) We've got three bars. Um, I would say in the Fez Room. What was your first concert? Um, R.E.M. Me too. Ooh, oh, really? Where was it at? <laughs> it was at uh, the Warfields. Oh, I saw them oh, wow. at Shoreline. So that was, this, that was, was this was uh, the, yeah, their second album. Nice. What was the last book you read? Mm, what was the last book I read? Oh, so dumb. The Marie Kondo. Oh, yeah. Book of, <laughs> does that <laughs> count? <laughs> that counts. Um, who is the better Rose Nyland, you or Betty White? Uh, well, I have to bow down to Betty White. Okay. Um, from how you are now to, say, Samantha Jones or Rose, how long does that process take? Two hours. Whoa. Whoa, that's fast. Uh, what is your best hair or makeup tip? Hmm. You can make a really ugly wig look amazing with the right makeup. (laughs) Um, What are you most looking forward to about the pandemic ending? What is something you're not allowed to do now that you really want to do? Make out with strangers. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has said that yet. That is a first. Last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Oh, my morning journaling. Oh, that's cute. How long have you been doing that? About uh, 15 years. Oh, very nice. Well, thank you so much for inviting us to the Oasis. Thank you for coming up to the roof and sitting with me in the sunshine. Anytime. Lovely. (laughs) And when this this is all over, you both have to come here, be my guests, and we'll have an amazing night. I can't wait. One I promise you won't soon forget. Is that when you're going to make out with strangers? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, stranger. (laughs) That that is... (laughs) That is a date. And, uh, uh, I think he'd so rather much. make out with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, eventually a tongue's a tongue. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest, Darcy Drawlinger. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com slash pod. <laughs>